Hello everyone, welcome to Easy Key from your host, Dr. Lady. And I'm your host, uh, Jaden Cron. And this week we're talking about Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, the 1992, I think? Yeah. 1992 uh, feature film that is a prequel to the television show Twin Peaks, uh, created by Mark Frost and uh, David Lynch. Yeah. It stars Keeper Sutherland for the first, like, 30 minutes, (laughs) and then he's gone. Yeah. So you... So last week we decided... So you you said you're going to watch some David Lynch stuff and watch a bit of Twin Peaks, and Mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah. So what did you all watch? I so mostly I watched I'd already watched um, Eraserhead prior to this. Mm-hmm. I watched Lost Highway because yeah. that's on Netflix right now, and then I watched the first three uh, episodes of Twin Peaks, and then I watched this. Okay. Um, so yeah, I watched the pilot and then two additional episodes. I'm glad I got as far as I did because I think if I had mm-hmm. stopped. At the second episode, because uh, the third episode's the first time in the show that you see the 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 red room. Okay, so so this movie made significantly more sense to you than it did to me, is what you're telling me. Yeah, pretty okay. much a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's funny. I looked up all these sources, and it's like you should not watch Fire Walk with me, and like before you've seen the show, and I'm like, oh, oh well. Well, I mean, Keeper's not in the show, so, like, I don't know what you expect from me. Yeah, I mean, the show's pretty good, and I would recommend it, um, but we're not here to talk about... Well, we could talk about the, the show a bit. I'm um, only here to talk about the first 30 minutes, if we're being honest. That's... No, I'm <laughs> Okay. Um, so, Twin Peaks, the basic concept is that uh, one day... Uh, a man goes down to the beach and he finds a dead body on the shore. It is the dead body of Laura Palmer, the uh, homecoming queen. No relation to David Palmer from 24. No relation to David Palmer. Um, sorry, that <laughs> got me out of sync. Um, they find Laura Palmer, the homecoming queen. And uh, so then it's this big mystery. Who is it? Who Like, who killed laura palmer and then um they have to the local sheriff and one of my favorite characters of all time uh even just from the three episodes of the show that i've watched uh special agent dale cooper uh have to investigate this so but it's really just an excuse to get you to see everybody in twin in twin peaks and see all these characters Mm -hmm. and the lives that they live um and so the show was canceled after the second season, had declining ratings, and that was largely because uh, ABC kept on uh, badgering David Lynch to solve the mystery, mm-hmm. to get it over with. And he's like, but no, no, the whole point is that, you know, like, they're going to try and solve it, but there's just so much going on in this town, they're not going to be able to get any of that done, so they're just you know, always stuck doing other things. But, I mean, to uh... Be, to be fair, the fact that ABC put out five seasons of, of David Lynch movies at all. Five seasons of David Lynch movies? Wasn't there five seasons of this? No, there's two... So there's two seasons of the the of the show, um, of the original run. First season's eight episodes. Second season is, uh has 22 episodes but in the second half of that season sucks because they've already basically solved the the mystery and so then there's just all the silliness that's going on david lynch and mark frost the co-creator their relationship is really strained so then that kind of goes down a hill and then david lynch creates this movie yeah which uh yeah was was not received well when it huh. came out, everybody hated this. Everybody hated this film. Okay. Including fans. Um, but since it's kind of become... It's it, it's certainly... Reception has warmed towards it. Yeah. Throughout time. 
and I think it, a lot of it is because the um, the second portion of the film, the majority of it, the hour and 30 minutes that does not have Kiefer in it, mm-hmm. is it's set in Twin Peaks, but it's so distant from how the actual from how the show feels the show okay. is a lot the show's a lot light more lighthearted it's a lot sillier there's a lot it's a lot soapier and whereas this this is pretty miserable yeah i was going to say i cannot see how how this could have anything to do with anything on abc yeah yeah this is a lot <laughs> this is a lot more than uh it, there's a lot more you know, a lot more language, a lot more violence in this. This, than... is, this is like, this is movies rated R, and it's, you know, very strong mm-hmm. R rating. Yeah. So, let's get into it. What, so, what's the plot of this movie? Okay. It starts a year before the events of the original television show, where uh, it shows the original investigation into the murder of Teresa Banks, who was living in this town called Deer Meadows, and she was just found dead similar to Laura Palmer, but, uh, you know, nobody came to claim her body. And uh, this is, you know, this is mentioned in the show a couple of times. Okay. Uh, Dale Cooper mentions it. He goes, yeah. Uh, when, he, they, when they originally find... Um, I don't know. They didn't really show it in the movie, but... Um, they also find a letter under Laura Palmer's um, okay. ring fingernail. And so that's how they connect the two cases. Um, that makes sense. Anyways, so Kiefer Sutherland and uh, what's his name? Desmond? Chester Chet Desmond. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam Stanley go out to go. They go to uh, Deer Meadows solve the murder of Teresa Banks, but they don't really solve it. They go to a couple different places, don't really find anything. They go to the trailer park. They find a couple of things. They eventually find this letter under her nail and go, hmm, that's weird. Eventually, um, Chet Desmond goes back to the trailer park. He gets kind of these weird, um, almost kind of like psychic premonitions in a way. I don't really know how else to describe it. And then yeah. he he checks under this trailer he finds this green ring, which he assumes is the ring that Teresa Banks was wearing because on her body you can see she was wearing a ring. He picks it up and and he disappears. He is gone. Never seen again. Never seen again. It cuts to, I think that's when it goes to the FBI agency in one of yeah. my favorite parts of the film. That's when David Bowie. When. <laughs> just shows up. <laughs> what? Because Dale Cooper just keeps walking in front of the security camera. <laughs> and he's like nope this isn't doing anything and uh, he like he walks in front of the security camera and then he walks into the room to check you know what the the tv's showing and it's not showing him and then <laughs> one time after he does it he's still standing there and then he sees david bowie walk past him and he goes oh my goodness we have to stop this and then david bowie walks into the room and there's a confrontation and all this and and then reality kind of starts to unravel we we see a bunch of these spirit people there's the dude with the slipknot mask there's yeah. uh the man from another place that's the the shorter guy in the red suit okay um then i think their names are the the dude in the jean jacket the really nasty guy mm-hmm. his name is bob um yeah. and then there is uh there's the grandma and then there's yeah. the kid that looks like david lynch uh, yeah it's just a kid with David he Lynch's does, haircut. Like he straight up just looks like David Lynch. He has the David Lynch haircut, like the or at least how David Lynch has his hair in this movie, which is kind yeah, of that. He's also in this slicked movie. back. He is. It's way better than like when Tarantino appears in his movies because David Lynch in this he just has a hearing problem, so he's just yelling at everybody all the time. Although I will say, if Tarantino in all of his movies was just yelling. That would suck. So that's true, but it works with David Lynch. It it works in the movie because he feels like a character that already yeah. existed, 
And it's not, hi, I'm in my movie. <laughs> I'm going to say the N-word 500 times. <laughs> Anyways, FBI office. Stuff goes crazy. Um, I think this is where Dale Cooper figures out that something bad's going to happen in Twin Peaks. Oh, he, yeah. gets, he has a dream. He's talking with um, the dude from RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> There's two dudes from RoboCop in this movie. Wait, who else was in? Um, who? Uh, the dad. The dad oh, in this he? movie... Yeah, Ray Wise. He's one of the, um, I think he's in RoboCop. Here, let's... Let me check this out. Yeah, he's he's Leon Nash in RoboCop. Huh. I think he's, like, the head of the corporation. Oh, that might make sense. Yeah. All I remember him from is, like, a thing on John Oliver. Mmm, gotcha. Yeah, 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 okay, I'm looking up, yeah, he was definitely... Yeah. Yeah, but so Dale Cooper's talking to uh I think his character's name is Albert 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 Rosenfield and they uh he says I think another murder is going to happen like a, and he, he thinks about who the person's going to be murder is murdered is and he says she's blonde, she's sexually active, she's doing drugs. <laughs> and Albert's like that's not really going to help us, buddy. <laughs> That's every person in America, am I right? Yeah. And then the rest of the movie chronicles uh, Laura Palmer's life, which I don't think we really need to... I don't know. We don't need to go, like, scene to scene, but basically she finds out that uh, her father has been uh, raping her since she was a child. and But she thought it was this man named Bob, but... No, it was it was her dad the whole time, and so we see it's it works well as a companion to the show because the show is very much hearing what people think of who Laura Palmer is, mm-hmm. and so you kind of get this image of her built up in your head. You know, there's the occasional thing like in the show. In the show, they like they're like, I think Laura Palmer might have been doing cocaine, and everybody's like, No, Laura, Laura Palmer. Doing cocaine? Never. Never. Not her. Not her. And, you know, and then in the movie, half of her acting time, half of it is just doing cocaine. Yeah. And so we see her and the, how awful her life is. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. How awful her, her dad is, how awful uh, Bobby, her boyfriend is, how awful, uh... The fact that, you, you know, she's a prostitute at the roadhouse. Yeah. It's not... It's, it's quite... It's quite a heavy a film. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I'm like, so this is... So you're telling me that this is uh, an ABC show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They must have changed significantly. Yeah, so like, it's a Lynch film. It's, yeah. it's a Lynch film. You gotta... And you gotta come into it. Knowing that. that, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of David Lynch films on the best days. I can see there's there are parts of this, and like like I said, I haven't seen the show. There are parts of this that I can definitely dig, but then there's parts of it where it's like, okay, yeah, you're okay. I think this is the out of the three movies from him that i've seen this is my least favorite i still think this is a a, a really good movie it just mm-hmm. it's so weird because it's linked into this whole other thing yeah and and that i think that drags it down a bunch for me um compared to eraserhead is is wonderful stands on its own uh, Lost Highway. Lost Highway is one of those movies that I, I, you know, on my letterbox, I gave it a decently high rating, but I'm going to need to like watch it three or four more times before mm-hmm. I can like really get into it. And I, I think one of the things why, where this movie um, fails for me, even though I still <laughs> even though I still liked it overall a lot, is that because it's tied into Twin Peaks, if you're going to try and analyze all the surrealist stuff at all, 
and try and piece anything together, you have this whole other body of work that yeah. you're going to have to look to as well. Um, but a lot of the people, all the, a lot of the really positive reviews that I've read um, like to highlight how Dear Meadows, that part of the film directly contrasts uh, Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. like the town, because the town of Twin Peaks is, um, like, especially in the show, you know, local law enforcement, totally cool with the FBI coming in. Like, they know their place. They know they're going to be fine. That's a it, that's a thing in the show that when Dale Cooper shows up, he's like, now I'm going to need you to be cooperative with me, okay? Yeah. In a <laughs> um, movie. That ain't it. That ain't it, because that's how it is in, in, in Deer Meadows. Um, and everyone in Deer Meadows is just really depressed and wants nothing to do, whereas Twin Peaks is this quirky town filled with all these people like the Log Lady. And <laughs> I'm so glad the Log Lady does appear in this movie. Yeah. I love her. There's a part in the show where she just walks up to to uh, Dill Cooper and the sheriff, and she's like, my log saw something that night. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, okay, what was it? And she's like, you're going to have to ask my log. And then Dill Cooper just kind of stares at the log for a bit, and she's just like, that's what I thought, and walks off. <laughs> Anyways... Yeah, um, so it's, this movie has really, has some really strong parts, but it's, it's not great for a first watch, it's not great if you're not into this kind of stuff, no. uh, <laughs> which I think Zach might have got the absolute worst possible experience out of this film. Here's the thing, <laughs> halfway through, I, I, I looked up, is David Lynch actually good? I googled that, oh, and like man. I came across like a Reddit thread. Basically, people talking about like the the way to look at it is a lot of his films are kind of dreamlike. You know, it's not it's not like a story in the traditional sense. It's like a, how dreams kind of make sense vaguely, but then yeah. you think about it, and it's just kind of a mess. Exactly. And I can have, with that framework, it was more enjoyable. Although, at the same time, I think that's a pretty lazy defense. And I think it's just having come at this with no prior knowledge. That's fair. I think the dreamlike structure, um, to explain that for me at least, I love... That's one thing that I do love about his films is you can't really... like, And I think Firewalk with me is is maybe too long. Mm -hmm. Um... Whereas I had a similar semi-problem with, with Lost Highway because that one shifts narratives half an hour into it. <laughs> um, because, like, the main character literally just gets replaced by somebody else. Like, he oh, just yeah. disappears. And, I mean, you know, you can be like, oh, he was actually in a fugue state. But uh, anyways, he... Um, but the, the best part, what it adds for to me that I think actually is something that comes out of the dreamlike structure is it makes his climaxes infinitely yeah. stronger like if you watch Eraserhead um the the what what happens in the last 20 minutes of that movie in any other movie I'd be like yeah whatever okay fine but because everything else in the movie just is so singularly focused to putting you in this weird mindset. What happens at the end just had me sitting there just saying, holy shit, like over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, that being said, this movie, I think, yeah, there's a, this movie's a hot mess. There's yeah. an hour, like there's a whole extra movie, like an hour mm-hmm. and a half of cut out scenes. And half of them have, like, all uh, just because a bunch of them just have all the the ensemble from the show in them, mm-hmm. um, and they're just not there. Uh, not that I think adding them would have 
would have made it a, a much better movie, but I think the that's why I also tried to that's why I thought it was important to describe what was going on going into this movie with the show. Yeah. Um because I think that's also a part of it is it's a it's it's a you know it's meta, dude. So that makes it all okay, all right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know the part with um with Lil, like the the woman at the start? Mhm. Some people love to see Lil as like David Lynch on people who think everything's in his movies means something. Who are just like because that part is pretty dumb when they're in the car and he's just like yeah you know her wiggling or her yeah <laughs> her stomping her feet means we're gonna have to do a lot of leg work or oh, her hands in her pocket that means it's a sneak mission yeah it's, that was such a good there's so many oh i love that first half hour is really good in my opinion yeah. i loved that that was that is much closer to the vibe of the show um Let's focus in on that because I think that's where. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a couple of things before we get into that. Okay. I I really like the part when Laura and Donna are sitting on like a couch somewhere, and Laura does her. Um, Donna asks like, "What would happen if you started falling in space? Would you like slow down or would you speed up?" And then Laura immediately says something along the lines of you would speed up and you would keep going and going and going faster and faster until you just burst into flames and the angels wouldn't be there to help you. The angels would, cause they've already left. Um, and I love, I think that line co- contrasted with the end of the movie where mm-hmm. she's sitting in the red room, watching an angel smiling and crying like that kind that, you know, that, that through line of this, you know, woman who just had a horrible life. Yeah. Um, and was almost going to be, I don't know if you, I don't know how you interpreted it, but like the whole, like, cause Bob, who is also her dad, you, you know, you could like interpret it in a bunch of ways where like Bob is just a demon inside her father. But in my interpretation of things, I think Bob is, kind of a representation of trauma or mm-hmm. of like that the part of trauma that breaks people and causes them to yeah. go out and traumatize more people um i kind of so, just i kind of just saw it as like the kind of repression of not wanting to believe it yeah that too um but because at the end he is trying to i also had i would have had a better time with this movie i think if i had if the netflix version had subtitles yeah that that was annoying because it it doesn't it doesn't like what or we'll if get i into that in trivia yeah i'll get into and also i oh another thing that pissed me off um you know how the red guy speaks like Backward? kind of in re- in reverse words yeah and how it's kind of unintelligible sometimes yeah you know what they do in the show do they subtitle it? They subtitle it. Uh, Why did they just not do that in the movie? Because, yeah, there's so many times where people are talking and I just can't hear what they're... And it's crucial stuff, too. Like, yeah. w- when they get yelled at in the car, couldn't yeah. understand a thing. Uh, when they're in the... I mean, okay, part of in the roadhouse. Yeah. For a while there, it, you know, that was kind of the vibe, but it just goes on for so long. And there's I'm, clearly stuff being said that we're supposed to hear. Yeah, and also, I think the TV that I watched it on has a problem with high-end because every, or like with, with just with voices and things, because even with video games when I play them, I can't hear what people are saying most of the time when I put my, you know, on my Switch and stuff, when I put my headphones on it, I can just hear people talking a lot better. Yeah, I mean. But that's a, uh, that's a I, This thing. is also like, I, I, I watch this on my, with like my decent headphones. Okay. And, stuff, and I couldn't, I like. Turned out because there's just the the sound the the music is mixed over it. Yeah. So you just you can't hear it. Yeah. There's also um, there's times where like it's one of those movies where things are really really quiet for a while, so you like turn it up mm-hmm. so you can hear what people are saying, and then immediately it comes in with God, a. I hate that. A, yeah. <sighs> um. 
But I think that because in that final scene when they're in the train car, uh, it's stated that that Bob wants to possess her, mm-hmm. or at least that's what it says on the Wikipedia plot summary. So that's how I know that. Uh, which I guess it's kind of a point against this film if I had to look that up to to get that. But anyways, no, it's an Easter egg. If you don't tell someone in the movie a crucial piece of fact, <laughs> Easter egg. Anyways, but I like the thing about. Believing that angels are dead, but then, I don't know, seeing an angel or something. <sighs> so Kiefer in this movie. Kiefer's great. This is a... Kiefer, oh, oh my goodness. Kiefer makes me... This is kind of the epitome. Like, this is a high point of 90s Kiefer, in my opinion. Like, yeah, I he would plays say a lot. my favorite. This is a lot... He plays a lot of characters that are like this. Yeah. But nothing this good. The script serves yeah. it like the movie serves it so well so basically um, he's like this weird kind of nerdy guy who's just a bit w- off on social cues mm-hmm. but in the context of it being a david lynch film and there being weird things going on and all the characters being at least a little weird it totally works and it's not just him being weird and everyone else being like what 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 the heck yeah it reminded me of of dark city kiefer but he's yeah. not doing a stupid voice mm-hmm. <laughs> and he isn't like forced to hold up the entire film on his atlas shoulders um huh yeah but it's it's good uh, yeah pretty much every especially with the fbi like I think that's just a thing in Twin Peaks is that mm-hmm. the FBI is just, they're just weird, dude. They just don't really know what's going on. Uh, I mean, the whole opening scene where it's just David Lynch yelling at them and yeah. the, the woman in, in the orange dress just like dancing. dancing. <laughs> yeah. It's all just, it's what I want. Yeah. He's, he's got a good look in this. I love his little bow tie and it's, his it's... glasses on the chain. Um, and his trench coat. Oh, I love when they're at the the diner and uh, Chet Desmond looks over and sees Kiefer's like holding onto his coffee cup and looks over at him and says, "Hey, what time is it?" And then Kiefer lifts up his coffee cup and spills coffee all over himself. Oh, man, it's great. They they have fun. They they have they're fun in office. They they play pranks. Yeah, this is, this is a fun place. And then they find dead bodies. And then the the woman at the diner is like, like you want to hear about our specials? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And she's like, we don't have any. Well, oh. back, that was the best character in this movie. Yeah, Irina's. That, that that one bit. Yeah. So is this movie a keeper? I'm gonna say yeah, but I'm not gonna hold yeah. you to. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Because for the Kiefer, I think even though I mean the the thirty minutes with Kiefer in it does not stand on its own as a movie. Yeah. I think it's powerful. It's powerful enough, Kiefer. It's probably my favorite '90s Kiefer that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. He's just he's 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 very, mm, very goodness. He's very good. They use him well. And as a Kiefer, as a host of a Kiefer centric podcast. We can't help but stand. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm just going to look at other... What are other 90s movies? We've watched Flatliners with him in it. Uh, Article 99. A Few Good Men. It's also wild because the guy who plays James in Twin Peaks is also in A Few Good Men. So I was sitting there. He's one of the accused dudes. Um, Oh, I was trying to figure out where I saw him from. That's totally it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Cowboy Way. Uh, he's in Frankie the Fly in the 90s. Oof. I mean, it's also because a lot of the other stuff we were watching is it's late 90s. And... Yikes. Anyways. So let's move on to trivia. So I mentioned something about subtitles. So here's mm-hmm. the thing about subtitles. So in most versions of the film, certain sequences are subtitled at the nightclub where the music drowns out the dialogue and the characters speak backwards, but on the British version. Apparently, director David Lynch changed his mind so often as to whether they should be included or not. By the time he came to a final decision, the, fi- the British distributors had already made all their prints without subtitles and couldn't afford to make any more. Oh my god. 
So then why on Netflix? Yeah. Are there any? And it's why not, is it that no version? There's no that. Like, there's no closed captions. There's just the French one. Yeah. So if we knew French, would we have been able to understand that? Like, I have. What the heck? No clue. And that, yeah, that's pretty sad. Um, uh, let's see. Anything else interesting? Oh, yeah. We didn't, even, of... we didn't even. Man, we managed to get through this without uh, spoiling who killed Laura Palmer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess that is the big reveal. I mean, I think it's. Show, or the movie. It's well. It's in the show, I think. Okay. Um, like in the second season, but the movie just goes more into stuff surrounding it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, it's just kind of. <laughs> yeah, I guess this really is just not the way to start the series, huh? No, yeah, but but also, for me, like if you watch the show, mm-hmm. um, it's so much about the other characters. Yeah that it it's i'm still planning to go because it's on it's on crave right now um so you can go yeah do the seven day trial if you want like i am <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah not the not the I best way to to start i uh i saw um i was like looking on the internet i was like should you you know is it okay to watch Firewalk with me oh do you even sorry zach this is a question uh do you understand the whole Firewalk with me thing um, I've, I, it's like, it's like walking on like ashes, right? Or not ashes, like hot coals. Uh, that's all I know. The only, the only time I've heard that phrase outside of that is a, my brother, my brother and me goof where they do a segment of Guy Fieri oh, called Fieri walk with me. Got you. Um, so to me, what I know about it is that in the third episode of the show, there's a part where uh, Del Cooper is asleep and he's having a, a magic dream vision again. And uh, the, the, the being called Mike talks to him and recites this thing that sounds almost like poetry, but you know, it would make sense if, if David Lynch wrote it where he says something like a magician looks out into the night and he says, fire walk with me. Okay. Um, so it's from the show. Yeah. It's, it's more a reference to the show. And they also find that written at the, the murder scene okay. on a piece of paper. Um, along with also, that heart necklace that she wears. They also say it in the movie. Yeah, they do. Um, there's there's a bunch of things in the movie that are pretty ref- heavily referencing the show, which like you know would make sense. Like uh, you know when uh, Chet Desmond disappears and the car says "Let's rock." Okay. That's how the man from another place introduces himself. That makes sense. After he's because he stands in a corner vibrating for a couple of minutes, and Dale Cooper looks over and then he sees uh, Laura Palmer. And then he looks back at the vibrating man, and he turns around. And it's it's that guy, and he's like, "Let's rock!" But he says it backwards, so you're like, "Whoa, this is going to be a special thing." And then it was. Whoa, cool. Anyways, so for one scene, David Lynch asked Cheryl Lee to inhale the smoke from five cigarettes at once. Lee agreed oh. and fainted on the spot. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. What else? Yeah. What else is gonna happen? Oh man. <sighs> like, what's the point of that? The rest are just, like, really long and boring, so we're not going to read them. Yeah. Although I am curious to see what plot keywords there are mm-hmm. for this movie. So we're going to... Uh, there's some fun ones. There's some not as fun ones. Okay. Oh, we're yeah. We're going to go with Inner Demon and see what else. Uh-huh. We got The Cell. Uh, ooh, we got tr- True Crime, Streets of L.A. That was on the GameCube. This has been IMDb plot keywords. <laughs> Good. Oh man. Okay. So all the. Um. I'm looking at the one star reviews for this yeah. movie, and most of them are um, actually people talking about th- how bad this particular DVD is because mm-hmm. it's like something from 2002. Um, and they're all angry because they didn't get to see the deleted scenes. Yeah, which James which showed think, me one of them with Kiefer. It's, it, I would be angry too. I think a bunch of them, like, there's two or three additional scenes with David Bowie that they just cut out 
that are just not there where he just like there's one part where he's walking just in a hotel in buenos aires and then there's another one where i think it's it's very similar to the scene where he walks in to the fbi thing but it doesn't have all the wonky stuff overlaid over it so you can actually tell what he's saying and what's going on and then he just disappears and then he like appears back in the hotel in buenos aires anyways it adds more to david bowie and really what more can you ask for (laughs) what more you want in life there's a fight scene between the sheriff and uh chet desmond that's pretty good where he just beats the crap out of him uh anyways yeah so and those deleted scenes did eventually get um released in 2014 i think yeah um so we got a review from matt from martin broward (laughs) a one-star review uh who's the cretin who made the documentary on this dvd yeah nothing to say about the lynch film itself or the transfer they're perfect but man do not buy this dvd they were supposed to release it with over an hour of deleted scenes especially selected by lynch himself and instead they put on a documentary made by who the boss of new line's nephew i mean this thing is the stupidest attempt at a documentary i've ever seen in my life no wonder the dinner no wonder the director's name is omitted instead of the deleted scenes they put the worst they put the worstly edited <laughs> interviews I've ever seen, and guess what? Uh, the all a- and guess what? The all actors are saying, "Gee, I was in a super nice scene that was cut from the final edit." Arg! New line, get a grip and issue new version now. And to the anonymous director of this farce, cut the stupid fast forward on the interviews and go back to working at Taco Bell. So thank you, Martin. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, this one comes to us from, uh, Rottenberg's Rotten Book Review. Hell yeah. <laughs> Three stars. Disappointing. This one's an action. I just like this one because it's a, it's a good, it's a good take, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I liked it more, but you also don't have to. It's also maybe one of those things where I'm just a masochist, so I say that I like things to, like... Mm prove how cool i am when i'm really not you got anyway controversy yeah by now you know that this film is a feature-length prequel to the twin Peaks series which i loved lynch junks everything that made that the show fun and cryptic leaving a movie that's just cryptic and interminable i think you meant to say indeterminable probably we meet Laura Palmer, an outwardly happy and beautiful girl with a none-too-veiled dark side. We also meet her father. Yeah, we knew him from the show already, but he's a different person entirely around his daughter. Cooper also figures prominently, as does his boss, Gordon Cole. The film begins with the FBI... I'm going to stop doing that voice because... I don't feel yeah. like it. With the FBI investigating a murder committed under circumstances similar to those that will mark Laura Palmer's death. This one looked at by agents Chester Chet Desmond and Sam Stanley, played by Kiefer Sutherland. Looking oh, yeah. alone into a lead near the victim's trailer park, Desmond disappears. Okay, I'm going to actually just skip over the this part because it's just yeah, a, It's just a... It's just a movie. It's just a movie. This was a frustrating film. Diehards can blame the panning on lazy fans who wanted a clearer story, but Fire Walk With Me got off too easily on that score. When the film starts, and until David Bowie's exit, this was a tense and scary film, perfectly mixing sound effects, music, cinematography, and script to make for a truly chilling film. I don't know about that. The first no, half hour is, is is great. It's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's more grounded. It's- Anyway, there are hints that the feds know more than they're letting on. One of Cole's assistants wears a pin with a flower that we later learn has become emblematic for something else. Uh, wait, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought the whole point was that that didn't actually mean anything. In the movie. I think that might happen in the show, but... Huh. Anyway, the David Bowie scene is not only cryptic, but incomprehensible. <laughs> Bowie appears yeah. in one of Cooper's dreams, one set in the FBI's office. Before Coop relates his dream to Cole in an FBI office, it's hard to s- see at first where the dream ends. The chill of Bowie's 30-second performance of a man who's managed to escape a brief escape from some otherworldly prison overcomes just how hard a sequence it is to follow. Then it goes downhill, and the film becomes an unending look at Laura Palmer, filling in some gaps but not creating any mystery. Even the not scary parts, pairing Southerland and Isaacs 
as feds tracking the earlier murder in another remote northwest town could have carried the film. But Lynch abandoned that, abandons that too. If anything, the film isn't too vague, but actually tells too much. There are f- a few scary bits, but it never reclaims the dark spirit lost earlier in this movie. Hmm. I don't know, actually. I don't know if that's a good take anymore. I, <laughs> I mean, the, the, it's Roddenberg's Rotten Book reviews. They're, they're so I shouldn't have trusted they, them. They're not even I... reviewing books. <laughs> They got me, dude. Um, yeah, there's not much to make fun of here. No, it's just a lot of long. Either really stuff. long or really short. We don't have the people who like are are half-assed and just kind of yeah. like write this thing down and they're like, "This is my masterpiece." I was kind of hoping for a lot of this is dumb. Lynch is actually bad. I don't get it. Which I mean, it's just me. To be yeah, fair, yeah, but... that's fair. But all the like the the one star. Let's see two stars because all the one stars are basically just fans who are mad about the yeah the quality of the DVD. But uh, here we go. This one comes to us from uh, Matthew Perry. What yeah. the? <laughs> not that Hell! Matthew Perry. Yeah, not the Matthew Perry. Uh, Spelled differently. P E R R I. Reviewed in 1999. I must admit, I saw the original series. I am really baffled by this movie. The show was kind of fun and goofy, but not very good. And here, Lynch just goes out and makes some movie because he feels his fans deserve it. Okay. This movie is basically going to have you scratching your head or banging it on the wall, whichever comes first. Even fans of the show say you learn nothing new. And all David Lynch seems to do is confuse you even more. Damn. I mean, what the heck is that squiggly floored room with the red drapes? Huh? And the horribly unintentionally funny scenes with that dude whose name was Arm, who sounded like an Indian who walked around for no reason, talked to other freaks that was something out of a racer head? What? What, that what scene a... is he talking about? I think the 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 man from another place? Um I I don't know who else he would be talking about. I'm um, looking I'm looking at the character to see if there's anyone named Arm. Well, because at the end, the man from another place says, I am oh, okay. I am Mike's arm. Yeah, he does um, say, I am the arm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you... I, I, I was also expecting them to go into um, why uh, Teresa Banks lost, like, feeling in her, her left mm-hmm. arm more, but they didn't. Anyways. I mean, I once lost feeling in my pinky for, like, several months because I sat weird on an airplane. Maybe she just sat weird on an airplane. Yeah, she sat on top of an airplane. Anyway, uh, talking to freaks that was something out of a racer head? And the really badly edited scenes with Chris Isaac and David Bowie? And where did they go? They disappeared after the first reel. Probably didn't want to be in this movie anymore after seeing their <laughs> scenes in the editing room. What? And who That's can blame them? That's not how anything works, my guy. A poor Cheryl Lee cries in almost every scene she's in. Probably was under contract for this movie and couldn't get out. Actually, I mean, she's explicitly gone and said it was really nice to actually play the character when she's alive and not just in a flashback. Yeah. Anyways, at times there were scenes that didn't belong there. The horse? Okay, whatever. No, the horse was great. You shut up. The horse? I forgot about the horse. It's just a horse. Me too. Yeah, uh, Laura's mom is in bed and she just sees a horse. It was just a horse. How, sorry, because the show and the movie are now starting to blend in my head. How much does Laura's mom scream in this movie? Because she screams uh, a lot screams, in the show. She screams quite a bit. Because she okay. screams when, like, any time, like, the dad's being weird. Ah, uh, yes. Whereas in the show, it's... Uh, yeah, she, she she starts having visions of Bob um, at certain points, and she's mm. screaming at that. And anyways... The horse? <laughs> and where was Heather Graham? Madden M... Amic. I looked backwards and forwards for them, finding Amic getting hit by her boyfriend. What? Was Graham in the background waving at the camera? With really blank dialogue, such as, I am as blank as a fart, and the usual Lynch confusion, such as the phantom white horse that was borrowed from the set of Blade Runner, and the really stupid red room with Laura's father levitating for no other reason than to look real cool for the kitties. Don't wait for video, folks. Wait for TV. Matt. This from 1999 as well, so. (sighs) Huh. Man, this this person like got on dial up and got on Amazon in the year nineteen ninety nine. Right, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. I just I get, I get parts of it. See, this is this is where I, this is where I want to like when I I watch these kind of movies and I'm like I don't get it, but it's like I don't get it that doesn't mean that there isn't something there versus yeah. I don't get it that means this is stupid. Also, that's the whole thing with like well they saw the how it was being edited which you can break the rules of editing for style, my guy. Yeah. Um, you don't just like, oh, I don't like this being edited, so change the script. I'm not in this movie anymore <laughs> up after this point because movies are filmed chronologically. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. I love that. See, for me, it's honestly the weird stuff is my favorite stuff usually because mm-hmm. – it gives me something. <laughs> yeah. Like, another one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when um, Laura and Bobby go out to go get some drugs in the woods. And oh. then the, this dude tries to kill them. So Bobby just shoots the dude like three times. And then Laura just starts laughing and crying and saying, you killed Mike. <laughs> I didn't really get it. Yeah, also, I thought it was going to go somewhere. Also, just because there's so many, so many characters named Mike. Yeah, it's annoying because there's there's because well, there's Bobby, her boyfriend. Bob? Then there's Bob, the spooky man. Then there's Michael, who's there's Mike, who's uh, Donna's um, boyfriend. Who's, mm-hmm. That's the guy who says Mike is the man. Um, and then and then there's Mike, the other de- the 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 spooky man. But I mean, yeah. also, but, and then there's this third, when she's saying, you know, you killed Mike, it was just hard for me to tell what she was talking about. Cause I, I wasn't sure if the guy who he killed was named Mike or not, mm-hmm. or like what was going on. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's just kind of, it feels like it's building up to something like, oh, they killed this guy. There's going to be retribution. Nah. I mean, it kind of does bleed into the the finale but yeah i wonder if it's gonna have yeah to do with the the show or something that actually yeah probably who knows yeah um because like i'm fine with with having the one named mike and the one named bob because i because and then the parallel between the two friends mike and Mm -hmm. bob because they're assholes as well so Anyways, okay, let's move on to news because we are at fi- almost at fifty minutes. Oh my god! Yeah, this is. I'm sorry, okay, everybody. Okay, so news. So we got some sad news going on mm-hmm. this week. Um, I'm sure as many of you have heard, Joel Schumacher, frequent collaborator with uh, with Kiefer Sutherland and frequent topic on this very podcast, passed away earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just pulling up the article here. Uh, he passed away at, how old was he? I believe 80? 80. 80, yeah. He um, died on uh, June 22nd. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Joel Schumacher, yeah, he uh, died after a year-long battle with cancer. Um, yeah, if you, if, I mean, if, you, if you've listened to this podcast in, in the past... We have seen quite a few Kiefer Sutherland, Joel Schumacher movies. He did Lost Boys, Flatliners, uh, Time to Kill, which I haven't watched yet, which I'm going to say I think we should watch that next week. Okay. Uh, And also he did Phone Booth. Um, We haven't always enjoyed his films, but, you know, they are distinctly his films. And he he was, if nothing else, quite the character. Yeah. So, he will be missed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd much rather watch, um, I'd much rather watch a bad, like, Schumacher movie Mm -hmm. than a generic, you know, Marvel movie kind of a thing. I, I can honestly, you know, I would, right now, I would so much rather rewatch his Batman Forever than any Marvel movie. (laughs) I mean, Batman Forever, say what you will about that movie. It's pretty good. I think it's good for what it is. I used yeah. to, when I was really young, I used to think it was like a good movie. And I oh, know you're no, thinking like about I, you're thinking about uh, wait because you used to Batman. Love... And, he did Batman and Robin too, I guess. Yeah, I, in my mind, the... they're the same movie. 
That's fair. One of them is significantly worse. I mean, uh, but they're both just, like, fun, you know? They're like, we yeah. gave Joel Schumacher Batman, and he made this, and, like, I think what did you expect? One of the biggest problems with, with – one of the things with Batman and Robin that kind of makes it a lot less fun for me, though, is that it's so blatantly commercial with the mm-hmm. amount of, like, costume changes that he does – and like everything feels like it's just destined to become a child's playset. I don't know. Um, I like that though. <laughs> Damn. Guess I can't. Guess you got me there. Anyway, Batman Forever is good. I'd rewatch that. I like. I like Jim Carrey in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I also just like George Clooney in everything. So. Oh uh, yeah, that's just making him Batman. It's. <sighs> I guess yeah. Powerful. At least Batman and Robin is a so bad it's good movie. Yeah, I mean the bat, the 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 what was it? Um, the American Express one. I can't remember how the joke goes, but it like has like bat American Express. Like it's clearly a campy film. Yeah. Anyways, it's Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, he 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 said on social media uh, earlier today, one of my dearest friends and partners in filmmaking. Joel Schumacher passed away after a year-long battle with cancer. His joy, spirit, and talent will live on in many in live on in my heart and memory for the rest of my life. Joel gave me opportunities and lifelong lessons making films such as Lost Boys, Flatliners, Time to Kill, and Phone Booth. His mark on modern culture and film will live on forever. I'll miss you, my friend. So. Yeah. yeah. Rip to a legend. Uh, so, yeah, we're watching Time to Kill next week. Sounds I think good. That's the only, I mean, barring flat the Flatliners remake, which wasn't directed by him, I don't think. No, it wasn't. So I think that's the only Joel Schumacher film we haven't watched yet. That has Kiefer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, dude, we're no, going to go we're watch. Doing, we're doing Batman next week. We're, Batman, then St. Elmo's Fire, then 8mm. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Then then we'll watch Phantom. He did do Phantom. Which is... That, mm, that was something is... that did happen. Yeah. Which, once again, I feel like that's one of those things where you, you let Joel Schumacher direct a Phantom of the Opera. What do you expect? Yeah, that one also, the problem was that Andrew Lloyd Webber was heavily involved. So he okay, he wow. wanted to try and keep it like his kind of thing. And then Joel Schumacher was like, yeah, fine, whatever, man. Just pay me money. And then, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on with that film. I've been your host, Jaden Cron. Wait, no. No, you haven't, because we haven't thanked Kaya for our oh, podcast Oh, my art. God. And you can find links to our to her work, not our work. You can find links to Kaya's work in the mm-hmm. description. And you can also find links to Kevin McLeod, who made our theme music, Sax Rock and Roll, um, who yeah. Jaden just wanted to forget about, apparently. Um, and you can also follow us on Instagram at Pod and Twitter at Podcast, And... You can leave us a review on iTunes and send us a message on Anchor. And I have been your host, Sarkula Duke. Well, I haven't been your host. I've been a terrible person. The worst. I, but, but I guess I did a bit of hosting. Uh, I've been your host, Jaden Cron, and this, this has been, been He's Keeper. Keeper.